Hello everyone and welcome to the first Bees pod of this season. My name is Ian Botchall and I'm delighted to be welcoming Charlie Casson on for his first show. We really hope you enjoy what we're looking at. A very positive start to this season and long may it continue. Hello everyone and welcome to uh, this episode uh, of Bees pod. It's a special episode for us uh, in many ways. Uh, and we're going to start with a very special person uh, who joins us but this time after six years of still staying with us, and that is Mem. How are you doing this evening, Mem? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Um, it's great to have you back on board, Mem, for the start of this season. Uh, and we are delighted uh, to welcome uh, a third member uh, to Bees Pod, uh, a full-time member. A bit like Barcelona, we pulled some levers over the summer. Mem agreed to take a deferred salary pay cut spread out over four years. Uh, we're not sure about the accountancy, but someone says it's all right. Uh, and we're delighted to use that money to bring in the man that people have demanded for the last three or four years on a more regular basis, and that is Charlie Casson. Welcome to the pod, Charlie, and welcome to the team. Thank you very much, guys. Ple- pleasure to be here. Absolute honour. Well, it's, it's great to have you uh, on board. Um, and, you know, for those of us that, or those of you that have stuck with me and Mem for six years, uh, you've got your awards now. Um, Charlie, we were thinking of some questions to ask uh, sort of our fellow uh, host uh, as you join us. And I thought I'd ask a couple, but the first one to go with is, if you were to kind of pick a Barnet player that resembles you, in any way uh, so that could be either on the pitch or just in personality past or present uh, who would it be and as I said to you beforehand you can pick who you'd like to be as well and then I'm going to come to you as well I don't think you're escaping this one so I've had a I've had a little think about this and Mem, Mem's played with me so I think uh, you're gonna you're gonna know where I'm coming from here Mem I think one that I resemble on the pitch as a footballer has to be Michael Gash <laughs> that's great down down to a T. We've got the sort of same build. I'm a little bit taller. We've got the sort of same build. It does does a lot. Not won't get you 30 goals a season, but it'll pop up with 10 or 12, and he'll um, get the odd assist as well. And um, yeah, w- wins his headers and works hard. I like to think that's what I'm like on the pitch. Well, I was like that on the pitch. I've not played in a few years, but um, if I could, if I want, hmm, I'm gonna have to say Albert Adoma for one that I want to be. I'm never. I've never have been him. Never will be him. I'm nowhere near, but he just he just lit up under hill when he played, and I was always so jealous of his ability. I mean, to be fair, you've, you've picked at least two quite similar players there: Michael Gash and Albert Domus. So I think everyone can see that you're, you're pretty close, <laughs> even if you're not quite there. Mem, what about you? Uh, either player you resemble the most, or one you'd like to be, or both, if you can. So the player I resemble. This is a tough one because there's not many short, fat bastards who are uh, playing professional football. Uh, so I'd have to go Collins John. So uh, <laughs> just just for the waistline. <laughs> <laughs> However, for in terms of style, um, I have to say Kenny Lowe. I say, you know, I'm a playmaker, um, you know, and uh, not quite as tall and gangly as Kenny. But you know, if you squish, me, if you squash Kenny, then you've got me. I'm sure. I'm sure Kenny would be delighted to hear that. Um, we had him on the pod a few years ago, and we'll, and we'll reach out to him with that clip. I think just to add in myself, I, my, one of my favourite Barnet players which says a lot about me, is, was, was John Oster. I absolutely love watching John Oster. Ultimately, not that effective. So I was going to go with John Oster, all style, no substance. But I think in reality, that the player that most represents me is, is Stuart Niven. Uh, a, a bit boring, <laughs> a bit ineffective, uh, and ultimately leading a side in the middle to relegation. Um, but anyway, moving on to a slightly more positive uh, squad uh, that we've got in front of us. We're going to start by looking through the start of this season. And Obviously, those of us that have been following the club for a while and indeed the last two seasons, uh, we know that starts this season haven't been our strong point. Um, it took us 
well, uh, just about five, well, maybe the two halves of uh, last season to know that we were in trouble, trouble for a really, really tough season ahead. Um, but this season, we've seen a real positive improvement. Seven games in, the B sit in seventh position. Uh, so, Mem, you're on track for your prediction as usual. Four wins, a draw and two defeats. And while there's been a slight tail off in terms of results uh, in the last few games, the defeat at Chesterfield and then Saturday's defeat against Aldershot, um, I think we can all agree there's been some really positive signs uh, compared to where we've been previously. Um, so we're going to start with you, Charlie. Just in terms of the games you've seen um, at the start of the season, what have you made of the Barnet start? And you know, how do you sort of rate our our first few games in the league? Yeah, I've only I've only missed um, I've only missed Gateshead away and Chesterfield away. So I've been to the other was it one, two, three, four? I've been to the other five. Um, I thought when when we played Halifax first game of the season, obviously they came uh, they were in the playoffs last year. Um, and I was so, I was sort of worrying them when we when we were approaching that game because you know you don't know what they, you don't know what they're going to be like. I know they lost their manager and a few of their top players to Barrow and and um, Stockport. I think a couple of a couple of them signed for. Um, but when we saw that game, yes, it was a good win, and you know we were all buzzing two um, 0 clean sheet. You can't really complain. But what they've then gone on to do, Halifax in there. I think I don't think they scored for the first four games. I think they scored in the second half of their fifth match. Which, um, looking back at, yes, we dominated, yes, we controlled the game, but um, you know, I think we were given a blessing there having Halifax first game of the season to get us off on the start. We did, um, did didn't go to Gateshead, but you know, we uh, we obviously got a good point there. Went down to Yeovil, um, didn't play well, but got a result, and it seems to be, you know, I'm I'm really happy with how things have gone. And if you'd said to me we'd be in this position, you know, at the start of August, I would have bit your hand off. Um, but you know we haven't we haven't been putting in the most amazing performances where we're dominating from start to finish, and I think on Saturday at Aldershot, um, that showed. And sort of just backtracking slightly, even the first 20, 20, 25 minutes at Eastley, I mean, you know, we 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 would look like we could have lost that in the first half after the first sort of twenty five minutes. Um, but you know, we were grinding out results. But I said to my brother after the Eastley game, I said. We can't keep saying this after every game. Oh, we, we didn't play well, but we won because you are going to get caught out. And ironically, it seems like the best performance we've had. I wasn't there, but from what people have been saying, best performance we've had was at Chesterfield, um, the, the toughest lot out of them all. Um, and we, we lost and we played well. So I think Saturday was the final straw in terms of not playing well and winning or not playing well and getting a point. Um, I really felt on Saturday we... We really got found out. I don't. I don't really know what it was. It, 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 I think it was a mixture of, you know, knowing psychologically that they were bottom and maybe not turning up. Um, we just we just didn't create anything. We did. It's not. It's not often I walk away from a game and go, we completely, completely deserved nothing from that. And I left on Saturday, you know, saying those words. It's interesting because I think one of the things that stands out is when Brennan came into the side last year. We had, you know, a sort of relatively um, kind of good run of results. And it also seemed to be quite, almost quite streaky. So you kind of go through a, a bunch of wins and then a bunch of losses. Um, and I wonder whether the same sort of thing is happening a little bit to some extent this season where, you know, we've, we've had a really decent run of form, as you said, albeit against some sides towards the bottom. I mean, looking at the league table now, you know, the sides 19, 20, 21 and 22 are Gateshead, Yeovil, Aldershot and Halifax. So it's not as though we've been taking sides off of teams towards the top of the table. And I guess you're right to sort of indicate a bit of a concern that, you know, as it gets a little bit, you know, 
longer into the season, those stats tend to even out and performances tend to match results. Um, Men, based on what you've seen, do you kind of agree with what Charlie's saying there around, you know, some positive starts in terms of getting results, but performances not quite being where they need to be for kind of long-term consistency? Yeah, definitely. I think the style of football we're playing this season means that we're going to always be a bit bitty. Uh, I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we go dominate teams because our game is about pushing teams back, trying to flip them over and and then winning the second ball and and, and building from there. So it means that in, at times we can be very decisive and we can and we can be very clinical. And if we're not clinical though, that's when you give another team's a chance because they're because the other team are getting more getting better possession than we are. I think there was a, there was a stat a few weeks ago, well not a few weeks ago, a few a uh, couple of games ago, which showed that we had the least amount of touches, and we were at the time we were top. So it is showing that we essentially are trying to be as efficient as possible with our with our forward play. That we, you know, with as few moves, a few touches as possible, and and be decisive and clinical. Uh, but I think when that's not working, I think we need to now work out a game plan where we can keep the ball for periods and actually be a bit more patient. Um, we did try a bit of patience actually against against Eastleigh, um, but I just don't think we've got uh, without Collinge in the side. We don't have the players to play that patient build up, uh, especially with Diara. Um, and also talking going sort of going back to sort of my just looking at the table. What's interesting is one of the areas that we really need to tighten up was in defence. Uh, we've already conceded ten goals this season, so it's an area that still need, it needs still needs to develop. Charlie, just in terms of of you, then um, I've been to a few games this season, but I think you've seen the most out of the three of us in terms of like where we've been at a sort of style of football wise this season compared to last season what have you noticed if anything that Brennan sort of tried to change over the the season because oh, oh sorry over the the preseason because one of the things is obviously you know we, we're grinding out some results we're not perhaps being as effective as we can be in terms of our performance but you know we're still mm-hmm. you're sitting seventh in the table and it's sometimes very very one of my kind of worries this season is that we have like a really good start a bit like it was on the sort of Hendon 09-10 I think it was we had a great start to the season by playing one style of football and then when it kind of got found out we really struggled and ended up sliding down the table I don't think that would happen to the same extent this season but my kind of worry is that we have such a great start really positive you know really positive environment and then it kind of becomes a little bit negative because we're sort of you know 10th 12th in the table 13th in the table whatever even though that's actually quite a big improvement from where we were last year, but we went to Chesterfield and I think lost six nil. I think it was we went to Woking and got tonked by the same amount. So, I guess like kind of taking even bigger step back now from these seven games. What have you noticed about any changes aside from the massive squad turnover in terms of how Brennan's sort of setting us up this season compared to last season? Yeah, no, there there, there definitely is change, and and like you just mentioned there about you know if we did finish twelfth, I think. 95% of Barnet fans would take that I'd take that it'd be a huge improvement for the last two years um, I know Brennan is big on this and he mentions it a lot um, and it's something I've definitely noticed We, although I know Mem touched on us conceding 10 goals um, but you know we do look more organised at the back um, the last couple of games granted you know without Collins in there it does look a bit slightly more on the ropey side um, as we've seen he's such a good such a good defender um, but I definitely have noticed we're, we're, we're much tighter much more organised um, another thing I've noticed is this, especially the three centre midfielders um, Dahaviland Gorman and um, Pritchard 
there's technical ability in there alongside you know agility strength um pace which i think we were lacking last year um i mean pritchard pritchard doesn't stop running he doesn't he doesn't doesn't stop running at all the whole game um and then you've got you know something that we didn't have last year at all in um in kabamba where we've got a striker who is the complete opposite to Adam Marriott and I, I love Marriott and you know he's I think he got two for Bromley on the weekend as well and he was a fox in the box and a goal scorer but I think what Kabamba offers will uh will get us more goals in the long run than what Adam Marriott returned last year um you know he just little things like his header to Shields on on Monday against Eastleigh and you know, his hold up play brings so many more, so much more people into the game. Um, so I think in the long run, that's a definite um, plus. In terms of the style of play, uh, Mem just touched on it, but you can see us trying to get the ball up into the sort of next phase, whether that be a long ball or a, or a ping through the middle, um, and you know, winning the second balls in our half um, as opposed to you know just getting just getting run over in the midfield and um, just being left open for. You know, for dead, which we were last year, there was so many. I think, I think last year, I looked at the f- results the other week. There was a run of, I think, five out of seven games where we got tonked to Chesterfield at home, lost to however much it was to Stockport at home. Wrexham was a couple more after, and then two games after that, we went to Dagenham and chip seven. And it was just a constant, constant, relentless, just shipping goals for fun. Um, which I do not think will happen this year. I think we'll compete. Um, we'll stay in games. You know, to it sounds ridiculous, and it shows you know how the mighty have fallen. But to have gone into that Chesterfield game at half time, two one down, and having you know got one back and equalised at a team that is going to be in the top three at the very least. Um, that that's that's improvement. Um, I do think though, what I will say is individual quality has has bailed us out two or three maybe even four games this season um you know Yeovil individual quality from Mason Clark and Kabamba's chip um the individual quality against Eastleigh that first goal you know that corner from Gorman and the near post header from Pritchard um yeah exactly and I do think as a team we will in time gel um but I think at the moment we've got real individual quality in all areas of the pitch, which is something we couldn't say last year. Um, and I think it's just going to take time for us to become a real a real team. Um, and, I, and what I would say as well, just from obviously watching the EC game and going on Saturday, and I did tweet about this, we are a lot... We're, we're a worse-off team. I know it's stating the obvious, but we're a worse-off team without the Havilland and Collins. They're two really, really huge players for us, and I think that was magnified over the last couple of matches. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, I think obviously there's going to be a massive change in the style of play considering the, the change of personnel. Um, but you're right, it does seem to be that it's almost more personnel driven. Like we've brought in, you know, Shields, um, who's, who's, I, th- I think been a really positive impact in terms of assists and and, and goals, obviously as well, goal. Uh, two goals, sorry. Um, Kabamba, I think, again, a lot more effective perhaps in a side that don't keep the ball as much as, as we, uh, you know, or don't keep the ball much like we do, as opposed to someone like Marriott. Man, what have you noticed in terms of uh, sort of players and signings? I know you wanted to just add in something there about Kabamba, I thought it was when, when Charlie was speaking. A couple of things. So what's, what's been noticeable, and I don't want to make this about that ever since Efron's gone, we've, you know, the team's collapsed. But 
for the the style of football we want to play, we need to play with a high line, and we need to play. And we, what we need is we need a, at least two, at least a couple of options to go in behind to stretch teams. Um, and what's happened by the nature of Efron leaving is we've lost one of our pacey players to get in behind. Um, and it's been noticeable that Kambamba's had several chances 1v1 in these games. So we are finding him in that, uh, you know, with that run over the top. But we've only got one option over the top, which means if you cut out Kambamba, then essentially a lot of, the, a lot of our play is squeezed in. And we have to, at the moment, because we've got Akimo and Diara as our centre-back pairing, who neither of them are blessed with tons of pace, we're having to drop off a little bit. So what it's doing is it's causing a bit of a a, a bit of a we're we're longer as a t- we're longer as a team, and what we really want to do is we want to be closer together as a team. And what that needs is, and we need someone like Collins who's going to be able to sweep up and who's able to read situations uh, for him to be in the side, so we can push up. And as well as um, not only having we've lost Efron by losing uh, and Collins, we've also lost Ryan de Havilland, who's the w- one guy in our midfield who gets beyond the strikers so we've got uh, so those three players alone coming out of the team it's not no it's no coincidence that in the last three games we've lost we've lost two goals two games and uh i don't think and we've had all three of those out three of them out at least what you know at least two of those games it's interesting you mentioned because i think you, you're absolutely right it's it's like of all the players to lose you know and, and you mentioned it just there charlie to Havilland, collins are just massively influential in the style of football we're trying to play um and I think what's been really interesting from my perspective is that we tried to just basically get a really solid and organised plan A. So the basics are really important and that means things like, you know, getting set pieces sorted out. And if you look already, we look a lot more dangerous from set pieces this season than we did last season. Um, Obviously, you know, Winter getting his goal, Gorman's delivery the other night, that's really important. We've got, you know, a consistent forward looking to get in behind. I think Marriott was a brilliant fox in the box, you know, great finisher. Um, but I think really works well for, well, what works better for us is Cabamba, particularly in those away games, you know, Yeovil and Chesterfield. Um, I know he didn't score against Chesterfield, but particularly Yeovil away. Like, it's been a long time since we've had, you know, a striker that can do a really good job away from home, stay consistently in the game and make the most of one or two chances they get when it's a very competitive game. Marriott was very good at, you know, as I said, finishing game, you know, finishing goals, finding space in the box. But if you're only going to create one or two chances a game away at big sides, you've got to make sure you go there and, um, you know, and have someone who can basically lead the line, uh, bring others into play. And I think Kabamba does a brilliant job of that. I think just coming back to yourself then, Charlie, in terms of thinking more about the recruitment, it's been interesting because some of the players that we brought in, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of buzz around. Um, I would say perhaps Ben Winter was one that a lot of people were really excited about. Kabamba, to some extent, Shields. But there's also been some other players that perhaps not so much were were disparaged when they came in, but weren't as seen as as much in, in a high regard. There wasn't a huge fuss around Laurie Walker when he came in, um, similar with Gorman. Um, I was going to say, just if you were to sort of cast your eye across the, the new recruits, wh- who do you think has been most impressive and what do you think they've added that we've been missing uh, last season? Yeah, well, um, you mentioned you mentioned Walker. He's He's been brilliant. He's made he's made some cracking saves and kept us in, in games. But... Um, for me, the one the one player who I've come away from every game and gone, you know, he was he was the man uh, is Harry Pritchard. Um, I, I love him. I think he's brilliant. He's just works his socks off. Um, he gives us so much energy and guile and grit and, and determination in the middle. Um, he's technically good as well. You know, at Yeovil when um, when we were nil nil and 
Brennan brought Connor Smith on and um, put Pritchard out wide and you know we got to see himself expressing himself in a different position on the left wing as well which completely changed the game um, and he can score he can score goals from corners uh, the, go- the highlights haven't been released yet so I don't think you would have seen it but Pritchard's header at Aldershot was the exact same complete carbon copy of the Eastley of the Eastley corner but instead of Gorman taking it it was Rob Hall taking it from the other side the exact same near post header with the flick on um, it was definitely his goal this time, though. There wasn't any, there wasn't any uh, chat about it. if that had rolled across the line off a keeper or anything. Um, but no, for me, that's not me. You know, I, I love a lot of our players: Shields as well, Gorman, um, Kabamba, Collinge. Um, I think we've signed some really good players, and you know, ones that I'm, I look forward to to watching on a on a Saturday. But yeah, if I had to pick, I, I think Harry Pritchard's top of my list. I think he's, I think he's class. Mem, what about yourself? Charlie's mentioned a couple there. Harry Pritchard, I didn't speak about. But is there anyone else who sort of stood out to you, perhaps, in terms of offering us something different? Yeah, Gorman. Uh, loads of Yeovil players, uh, Yeovil fans, I-, I was reading, were essentially saying he's bang average, he's not that great, you know, he's done nothing for us, you know, we don't care if he's gone, that kind of thing. And I, since he's been, he's what he puts his foot on the ball and he can pass it. He's great, he's got great delivery. Uh, and how many times have we talked about over the last six years that we've been doing Beast Pod that in this division, in the low divisions, you got to have, you got to be able to deliver a ball, for a, uh, and so he's been brilliant at delivery, but he also gets his, gets properly stuck in, and we've needed that kind of player who who, I mean, remember Dagenham away, uh, Ian, how you know just like literally it was like a part of the Red Sea in our midfield, you know. Um, don't you not having that now? We've got players who've got legs, and we've got players who've got stamina, uh, and players who've got a bit of steel in our side. So, and as he, uh, as uh, Charlie said, we've now got three players. If when Ryan Havlin's fit, who both can run up and down, they can you know can cover ground. No, I was going to say I still think there's probably there's probably space for Brundle in there somewhere. I think we're probably lacking that sort of mobility in the middle, but um, or maybe Josh Payne. Uh, but oh you know, God, I, f- I forgot about it. I forgot about <laughs> you. Got to make do with what you've got in this league. Oh. We didn't we have didn't didn't I read someone tweet the other day that last season at the at the same point of the season we'd started Brundle Payne and uh, Brundle, else. Brundle Payne and uh, Flanagan and oh my god and Tasdemir was probably somewhere in there as well just just like, just on a side off just on a side note um, I got no I got no biters um, nobody bit for uh, my idea for the Brundle and Payne uh, detective cop you know detective cop movie. Um, because of their hairlines. No, I just thought just like they look like you know like the you know like Bruce Willis style you know got drink problems and get up in the morning and they go to go to work pissed and you know I, I thought I thought I thought my synopsis was brilliant. Brundle and Payne, Charlie, Charlie, you're in that industry. Surely my my script could. Uh... Mate, get it, get it going. There's there's nothing out there at the minute, so get it going, mate. I'll happily do it. I think Mem's uh, joke there sums up the reason we brought you on board, Charlie, uh, to add a bit more uh, <laughs> a bit more class to proceedings. <laughs> The thing, just, just, just quickly before before we move on, Mem, what you're saying about Gorman, I think another thing in there, I think I agree with everything you said, but the fact that he is a complete shit house as well, um, just completely adds to adds to his uh, value. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a genuinely makes a big difference. I think you got to you got to know how to win games and slow games down, even at this level. I think. You know, it's it's crazy, right? If you look at Chesterfield, obviously a good example. Someone put up on, I think it was like a, on Twitter the other day, you look at teams like Chesterfield, Notts County, Wrexham, even Solihull to some extent. Like those four teams are 
on an um, you know an unbelievable level, particularly the top three, right? Um, and there's only one promotion space out, so you know it, it's it's such an unfair playing field. I don't know if any of you have seen the Welcome to Wrexham series at all. Um, it's not particularly great TV, but it just goes to show that just the incredible golfing class um, and golfing resources that there is at this level. You know, I think Wrexham, you know, stadium capacity is like eight to nine thousand. It's selling out every week. You know, obviously we had Bristol Rovers in the division a few years ago. We had a hundred thousand every home game, but you know, we're, we're so we're not we're not quite used to playing those sort of games every single week. But we've got really, we've really got to have players in the side who can bring something else because if we go toe to toe or we try and you know outpass or outplay or almost out football some of these teams we're going to get taken to pieces and so having someone like in there like Gorman who can do a bit of the ugly stuff and, and slow the game down and you know work the referee and work the crowd is absolutely massive for us just on that slightly slightly off topic but because you mentioned Wrexham I was chatting to my mate the other day he got back from LA last week and he was telling me that every other billboard in LA is a Wrexham billboard just like pictures of Ryan Reynolds in a Wrexham shirt, then you'd drive halfway down the highway and there's no one saying, go Wrexham, like it's everywhere in, in Los Angeles. Absolutely bananas. It's an incredible series. I mean, like it, it's just interesting to see how they've pitched it. But And it was a big thing about them them not allowing live streaming, wasn't there, in the league? Because they wanted to kind of get hold of that. But it just like they're, they're on a completely different level to, to every other club in the league in terms of finance. Pressure's on for them, I tell you. Pressure's on. They've got every game for them. People are just going to be going for them like, like it's their cup final. Scored 19 goals. They've scored 19 goals already this season. They're top scorers. Yeah. Dor- to be fair, though, they scored five at Dorking on Saturday. And I think Dorking have been Dorking have been shipping goals for fun, I think. Yeah, Dorking will be an interesting one. We'll come on to those uh, in the upcoming fixtures. Um, well, it's been a positive start to the season then. Um, and what we're going to do uh, at this stage is we're going to take a little break um, and we're going to come back in the second half of the pod to look at the upcoming fixtures, uh, a quick review of some of the signings um, and also a quick look back at Ephraim Mason-Clark's career. So we'll see you in just a bit. Hello everyone, welcome back to the second part of our show. Um, so we've talked quite a bit about Barnet starts the season, which sees us sitting in seventh place in the league, a far better place than we've been in the past two seasons. Um, but one of the bright sparks uh, really over the last four to five years of being a Barnet fan have been the performances of Ephraim Mason-Clark. Um, and he's now uh, taking the well-trodden path from Barnet to, uh, you know, Barnet up the A1 uh, in Peterborough, where he'll be joining the likes of Jack Taylor, uh, and I'm sure we'll be sitting underneath the plaque uh, of Liam Hatch in the dressing room. Um, Mason Clark, perhaps one of those players that, uh, you know, you think he played under something like 20 managers at the club, something ridiculous in the time that he's been here. Um, but this season and towards the end of last season, really found a level of consistency that I think has seen him got his move. Um, starting with yourself, Charlie, I guess before we go on to whether he'll be a, a loss, because I think we all know he will be for the side, in terms of him as a player, any particular moments stand out? And, you know, what do you think he added to the side over the time that he was with us? Do you know what? I always... It's so difficult to comprehend that Mason Clark's only 22 because I've got... Uh, I, I knew about Mason Clark. Um, there's a little anecdote here. Um, my brother had a trial for Barnet when he was 14, just turned 15. And um, my brother's on a six-week trial. They played Colchester down at the Hive one Saturday. And my brother played right back and Mason Clark played right wing. Um, so Jack had sort of, my brother had gone on trial into the actual Barnet team in one of their friendlies, whatever. 
and I remember my brother coming back and saying, "There was there's this lad. There was this lad who was playing right wing called Efron. Um, he said he's gonna he's gonna be incredible. He's I've never seen anything like it. And then about a year later, this isn't on um, Mason Clark's Wikipedia or anything, and I don't know if anyone knows this, but as a, I think as a 16 year old, Mason Clark went on loan to Met Police, and my dad's best friend Chad was the is the Met Police well was the Met Police physio. So a year later, we then heard about him again. He said, oh, we got this lad, young lad called Ephron from, from Barnet. And I didn't really know who he was when he was 16. So I sort of knew about him for a while. Um, and then, you know, obviously he, he breaks through and he becomes he becomes what he's become. Uh, and it's it's been really, really sad to see him go. But he, he him more than anyone, more than anyone deserves it because he's, he's been there through it all um, alongside us. Uh, and you know, there's been times where he could have thrown his toys at the pram and sort of sodded it all off. But even even through that awful COVID year under Peter Beadle, he was he was sort of you know a shining light, um, and he's been a real servant to us. Um, but yeah, just his goal, his goal on the first game of this season. Do you remember last season he did that touch? Do you remember that touch he took out of the air? I just still, I still to this day, just don't know how he done that. Um, and I think we're gonna we're gonna I know we all know we're gonna miss him, but what he does for the team and what he'll do for Peterborough as well when he gets starts getting in the team is yeah he doesn't you look at his numbers and obviously you know this season his numbers had gone through the roof well like he would have excelled if he stayed but you look at his Wikipedia and you see he's not scored many goals but what you don't see what the numbers don't tell you is what he does for the team the, the how how he carries the ball up the pitch well how he how, how he carried it up for us and how he gets you into do, you know dangerous positions and I'd like to see numbers of how many assists he assisted because I think it, it there'd be loads the amount of times he's provided the assist to the guy who's assisted it um and I think we'll we'll miss that we'll miss that drive up the pitch um but yeah you know all, all, all the best to him I think he's gonna I still think he'll end up playing in the Premier League him him and Jack Taylor uh you look back at Jamal Lowe when Jamal Lowe was 22, um, I think we, I think we released him at Jamal Lowe at 21. So he, he'd gone down and done all his non-league at 22, 23, and I think Jamal Lowe's now 27 in the Premier League. So, you know, Mason Clark's on the rise. He's not going to go back down into non-league, and I think he's got time on his side. Um, and I think yeah, he can turn into something really special. I think just just thinking back to what you were saying there about sort of assists before assists. Um, I don't think he scored the penalty, but I, one of my memories of him was having him and um, Coolhurst up front against uh, Sheffield United in that in that FA Cup win. And you know, obviously, we were we played really really well, very def- strong defensive performance, but we just looked so so dangerous going forwards. And you know, you'd have these these like long runs around the back of those sort of back three and. His ability just to kind of relieve pressure by carrying the ball was was phenomenal, and I think for me that what stood out about that game was not so much the fact that he played really well and we won. It was more that he looked even more threatening at that level than he did at our level, and I think in part because the pace of the game will be a little bit slower um, in League One uh, than it is in, in non-League, where it is just so frenetic and there are so many second balls. If he can kind of work and refine his decision making in the final third in terms of passing and shooting. I think he'll be a great, great asset to Peterborough and I really wish him all the best. Mem, a question that sort of Charlie very loosely alluded to there. 
in kind of reference to Jack Taylor, I sort of put it out as a bit of a joke really on Twitter just to sort of see where people thought. Based on what you've seen of Mason Clark and Jack Taylor, man, who do you feel has got the sort of higher ceiling? I mean, Charlie's, you know, putting his putting his neck out there and saying actually he reckons they're both going to make it to the Premier League. Do you feel that, you know, they're very different styles of players? They've both been at the club for a similar amount of time. Which one of those two do you feel has a higher ceiling in the game? They are very different players. Um, I made a prediction. To, I remember saying to my mate, um, in Portugal, I said to him, there's a guy called Jack Taylor. I guarantee you in about five years, he'll be in the Prem. Uh, and um, and I still think that Jack Taylor's got a chance to play at the Prem. I think the difference between Jack and Efron is that Efron has got that explosiveness, which means that he has a really explosive six months, one year, and he'll be, everybody, he'll be, everybody will notice him. And then he can he can jump up two levels if he wants. Whereas Jack's a bit more of a. Uh, it will take. How do I put it with Jack? Unless he's banging in his long range goals, he's not. He's a. He's a little bit more subtle as a, of a player. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. Is Jack's very much about technique, subtlety, and you know passing passing and moving. Whereas Efron is very much, you know, uh, all action goes past players and. Going back to, um, I just wanted to make a, add a point to what Charlie was saying and stuff, and what you were saying is, I remember against was it Sheffield United? He was unbelievable against Sheffield United in the FA Cup, and it's true. I I, I genuinely think that he he will rip up League One once he gets a chance, and the reason is is that because he was quite clearly the best player in the Barnet team, that. Players weren't scared of other... The teams weren't scared of the other players in our team. So what they were doing is they were doubling and tripling up on Efron. And they were trying to kick him out of games. The amount, the amount of sort of breaking uh, trips that he had, people pushing him to the ground, just trying to break him up so that so basically he doesn't get any r- rhythm. That was hap- that's was that been happening all the games. Um, and I think he's had to get... He's had to become a little bit cuter to understand, you know, how to deal with that rough treatment. But what he also did by being in the team was he, he used to take players away from other players in our team. And I think we will notice that a bit more as the games go on, where we realise that now teams are not all trying to double up on, on one of our players and leaving other players exposed. And But I think in the League One, they'll be a little, quite happy to, to go 1v1 with him. And I think that's when he'll start to go past players. He'll have more space. 1v1 would be no problem for him. I think all, all, all three of us wish him all the best. I think he's been a, a fantastic attribute. And as Charlie said, a real kind of, you know, a, a guy who's put up with a lot, a lot of rubbish um, and, and fully deserves the rewards. And, you know, he's 22, 23 years old. He's made 163 appearances um, for Barnet. I mean, that in and of itself is incredible. And yeah, we wish him all the best. Um, turning our attention for the final few moments then to um, the kind of next fixtures coming through thick and fast for the bees. Um, I guess a couple of questions here. We're, we're going into an interesting run of games where you know, Charlie mentioned Dorking earlier, um, who have struggled perhaps to adapt to life uh, defensively at this level. Uh, we've got Southend with Darren Curry this Saturday, followed by Dorking, and then a couple of sides in Solihull and Dagenham who are going to be up towards. Uh, the kind of top end of the table, followed by two sides, York and Maidstone, who have just come up uh, from the league below. I guess two questions here. Charlie, as you look ahead to the sort of month of uh, September, um, uh, what sort of do you think is a reasonable points total from it? Uh, And secondly, uh, I guess 
has the start of the season and the fact that we've got you know points on the board after the first seven games changed your expectations anyway for the rest of the season and indeed this month? Or is it kind of a case of we've had a good start, but actually, you know what, if we're still finishing mid-table, that's not a bad season for us? Mm. It's really difficult to tell at the moment. Um, you know, all it takes is two defeats and another team to win twice and you find yourself in the bottom half after being top for the first three weeks or whatever it was. Um I think when it gets to maybe when we get to the end of October, um, which is what in about ten games time, um, I think that's when we'll really you know start to see where we're going to be up around the Christmas period, and then you know once you're into the new year, then you sort of you sort of got a real feel for what you're gonna what you're trying to compete against and what you're trying to you know whether you're trying to win the league, get the playoffs, get mid table, or or stay up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, looking looking ahead to the next few games I mean you know we've got two home games next which is hopefully we can just react to the older shot uh, we're unbeaten at home you know 100% record so far at home so you know you'd like to think we'd go in there and, and get two results you look at the table as well you know th- if you'd asked me this this time last season I would have I would have been dreading these next two games but with our 100% record and the fact that South End don't score many goals. I mean, they've scored they've got scored six goals in seven games, so they're averaging less than a goal a game. Um, and I think you know, with our home form and especially if Collins is back, I feel like we're equipped enough to keep them out. For um, you know, they might get a goal, but I do think we can concede less than we um, score more than we're going to concede. Sorry, um, and then you know, Dorking on the Tuesday, Dorking have conceded twenty. Um, twenty goals in in seven games. So, I'd also you know based off based off their um, expected goals conceded in our home form, I'd, I'd you know I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything, but I, I'm expecting um, I'm expecting six points. But you know if we can get four, I'll be happy. And um, Mem, similar question to yourself. Then um, obviously looking ahead, Charlie's talked a little bit about those games. I'll sort of go perhaps to the second question with yourself then, then Mem, around the kind of expectations do you feel that the start of the season um in terms of results if not performances has kind of shifted the expectations of what's possible this season or do you still feel that you know a, a mid-table finish is is success and progress well i think it has gonna it's gonna naturally it's gonna change everybody's expectations when you're sitting there with 13 points already from six games i mean that's a i'm sorry seven games i mean that's a pretty decent haul i mean that's on target pretty much there are thereabouts for two points a game which is ultimately should be the target for us to achieve this season if we want to have a good season. So if we can continue in and around two points a game, that's essentially uh, sort of in and around the playoffs. Um, uh, no, that'll be, that'll be within the playoffs. Now, if I look at the next three games, and if we're going back to that, th- you know, two points uh, average, if we, be, if we draw with Southend, beat Dorkin, and lose to Holly Solihull Moors, that is four points in three, so it's still not two. So we need to get that up. So we probably need to win two of those against Southend uh, and Dorkin, and it allows us to lose against Solihull. So it's just basically avoid drawing and win two in every three games. Mem's uh, insightful analysis then is just it's just win more games. Uh, so tune in next week for more of that. Uh, <laughs> it's. No, but the thing is, though, if you look at like look at look at South End's look at South End's record at the moment, that all their games look like they've been tight because they've they've conceded the same they've conceded only six goals, so they're obviously they're quite tight at the back, but they're not scoring. So, but the problem with it at South End is that South End, despite not conceding goals, they're drawing game. They've drawn two games already. The seat they've drawn two of the games. 
Um, and you look at, so for us, we just got to make sure that we don't draw games. We always try and get, you know, try and get some sort of resolution with the game. Yeah, no, fair. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that, man. <laughs> but I think, I think you're both right in so far as we, it's, in, it's an interesting month because we're testing ourselves against sides that we would expect to finish above us, you know, in, in uh, Solihomor, certainly. Southend will probably be a side who, as you said, men would be looking at um, t- turning some of those draws into wins and certainly avoiding those narrow defeats. So it will give us an interesting sense as to where we're standing by the end of the month. Um, it's going to be, sorry to, sorry to interrupt, it's going to be a real real um, different test as well this Saturday because I think it's going to be the first time this season um, at the Hive where there's probably going to be the same amount of away fans as there is home. Um, I think Southend are going to bring... You know they travel well, and I think I think they'll bring fifteen hundred minimum, maybe, which is pretty much the whole of behind the goals. So it's going to be interesting to see how we, you know, how we react to having a huge away following, which we've not had yet. Um, it's just whether the players sort of thrive off that or whether they, you know, go into their shells and, and hide. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think this game is actually going to suit us in some respects because with Southend not particularly being particularly attacking. And, it, and their games essentially been the grinding out results or the games being particularly tight, actually that suits us because it means that moments will will, will decide the games. And what have we been be- been good at this season is, is, is in moments, not necessarily in the whole game. So, I've, you know, we don't need to worry. This is, a, this is actually a game that really, really suits the way we want to play. I also feel that, uh, that I think you're absolutely right, Charlie. It's going to be almost like a kind of neutral game in terms of the attendance because you're going to have as many away fans as home fans. Um, but I think one of the, the interesting things is that we seem to be like a side who, who you know, can play reasonably well on the counter-attack. Um, and if we can soak up a little bit of pressure, we've got that those runners in Hall. Um, I know Kanu hasn't really got involved fully yet, but you've got Hall, you've got Kabamba, um, you've got players who can who can offer something on the counter-attack. So if we can kind of, you know, stay in games, be compact, be competitive, and then do our bits at, at set pieces and on the break, um, it could be a good game for us. But, you know, it, it, what's incredible to me is you look at this league and you, and you just see really strong teams everywhere. And it's a very, very different beast to what it was you know, four or five years ago. So um, I think you're absolutely spot on, Charlie. It's only really towards the mid or end of October that we'll get a real sense of, of where we are. Um, but ladies and gents, that is, that is uh, all we have time for this evening. Um, I want to give a massive uh, thank you to you for listening uh, and a massive thank you to Charlie for uh, agreeing to uh, join on board. Um, we're hopeful to have some really exciting for you, news for you very, very soon. Um, and we'll look forward to sharing with that uh, as soon as we can. Um, but until then, um, I hope you have a, a lovely uh, rest of the evening, gents. Thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you at a Barnet game very, very soon.